Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. I'm Laura Norton, and this is One Strange Thing, the show where we search the nation's news archives for stories that can't quite be explained. As followers of the divinely weird and craftily creepy, you are no doubt familiar with one of the world's most famous cryptids, the Mothman of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. He is, without a doubt, one of the big ones, right up there with the Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, and Chupacabra in the list of the world's most recognizable cryptids. Now, you might know that Mothman, despite his penchant for screaming, portending doom, and terrifying teens in the woods, has his very own statue in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Not only that, he has a festival. He has merch. But his story, however fascinating, has been told and told well, and even made into a few motion pictures, major or otherwise, upon which we will withhold judgment. This is a podcast about the nation's lesser-known creatures, and today we want to bring you a moth and a man. A very manly moth, or a very mothly man, who we feel has not gotten his due. Not yet, anyway. Perhaps it will just take time. Hopefully, it won't take a tragedy. But as of now, there just hasn't been enough attention on a certain flying phenomena known variously as the Chicago Mothman, or Chicagoland Mothman, or the Lake Michigan Mothman. Now, there's a pretty big difference between a Chicago-area cryptid and a cryptid that, like Lake Michigan, appears along the expanses of four states, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, and Wisconsin. But somehow, our flying friend and the star of today's episode can be all things to all people. Get, as they say, a cryptid that can do both. Strap in. It's time for takeoff. You'll have to forgive us if we fly in a few circles on the way. So, if you're familiar with the Mothman, the original, if we may be so bold as to declare him, you probably know that the sightings of that particular winged harbinger were at their height in the mid-20th century. But, according to NPR, the Midwestern Lepidotra seems to have made his main stage premiere sometime around 2011, with a peak in activity in 2017. If a cryptid can have a comeback tour, it seems that this was Mothman, or Mothman 2's, Midwestern leg. Now, you'll note that we said the Chicago Mothman made its main stage premiere in 2011, as in it gained prominence. But 
according to a timeline put together by a particularly devoted group of ufologists, cryptozoologists, and Fortians, the actual timeline of sightings could extend back as far as the late 1950s. The trouble is, of course, at least from our viewpoint, many of these stories aren't covered in the news. They've been reported in retrospect by witnesses who have come forward decades later to issue anonymous accounts of the fantastic. Memory can do funny things, especially when you're minding your own business in, say, 2011, and you hear about a Mothman in Illinois or Michigan or Wisconsin, and you think back to that strange thing you saw in, say, 1972. Maybe it wasn't a barred owl after all. But in the interest of being thorough, we will say that the website, The Singular Fortian, spent quite a bit of time putting together an exhaustive list of every sighting across the Midwest. And it's interesting to note, in our minds, that up until the year 2000 or so, sightings were scattered, with one coming in every few years. Some decades are only represented by a single moth creature. The reports themselves are brief. For instance, per Singular Fortian's timeline, in June of 1976, quote, a man's vehicle is reportedly attacked by a winged creature with glowing eyes in Waukegan, Illinois. When the 21st century hit, though, it was moth time. And that flies in the face, sorry, of how cryptid stories usually go. The further into the 21st century, the fewer sightings. After all, there's so much technology, so many cameras, so little green space left. But not in the case of the Chicago Mothman. No, it got its second wind in the year 2000, with reports every year across Illinois and the Lake Michigan area. Things like, a woman reports four red-eyed winged humanoids flying over her home in Illinois. And, a young woman and her friend report an owlman outside their window at their house in Alsup, Illinois. And, a man reports seeing a winged creature with human proportions while traveling with his husband and a friend in northeastern Illinois. According to Vice, reports weren't uniform. Journalists said witnesses had seen a, quote, large black bat-like being with glowing eyes and, quote, a big owl, or something that resembled, quote, a gothic gargoyle, or even Mothman. Vice added that though most of the creatures were seen swooping in the sky, there were other stranger and perhaps more frightening encounters. Flying creatures alighting, quote, onto hoods of cars, peering through windows, and swooping down at bystanders. We imagine that if you see a large winged creature in the sky, the best scenario is that it, uh, stays up there. And then, in 2011, the city proper finally got its due. Quote, A man reportedly followed a creature with, quote, bat-like wings, a small bulbous head, and what seemed to be tentacles extending behind it, that he'd seen flying over the Jackson Park Highlands neighborhood in Chicago. Strangers, we will say that while Chicago does appear more frequently from that point on, there are as many sightings outside Chicago 
in suburbs or clear across the state, or in the states that touch Lake Michigan, as there are in the city itself. But the appearance of a cryptid in a major city probably has a lot more impact than if it appears in, say, Mount Pleasant, West Virginia, with respect to Mount Pleasant, of course. So we can understand the moniker. What's interesting to us is that the Chicago Mothman doesn't have the linear narrative of his southern cousin. If there's any storyline at all, it's practically postmodern and, well, more like a moth's flight flitting back and forth across the map. Sightings spilled into more 14-minded websites and eventually were covered by local media with a sense of bemused wonder. A cryptid for the digital age, you might say, ever-changing and hard to pin down. Now, that may be because there's no singular crescendo, like the bridge collapse in West Virginia, to tie the story together, however tragically. As is pointed out in the documentary, On the Trail of the Lake Michigan Mothman, West Virginia taught us to tie Mothman sightings into omens. That's just another way of saying that Mothman portends doom. And in the Chicago and Lake Michigan area, well, so far at least, there's no clear omen to associate with the frightening beast. That's what made the Point Pleasant story so compelling, if horrifying. But to us, the sudden rash of late aughts sightings is a story unto itself. Why did everyone begin to see the Mothman in the Midwest in the 2010s? And why did the reports of his or its characteristics vary? Is it simply that we, as the internet-savvy culture that we are, have too many reference materials to draw upon when we make comparisons? Allow us to explain. Regarding the 2017-era sightings, the Chicago Reader reported that by August of 2017, there had been more than, quote, 29 sightings of flying humanoids in the area that year. It seems that most journalists weren't taking it too seriously. After all, it was 2017 and there was political upheaval and phantom clowns to deal with. And there's also the fact that the serious news media caught on rather late in the game. Per the documentary on the trail of the Lake Michigan Mothman, sightings were first reported not to them, but to the local MUFON, Mutual UFO Network office, and then to the UFO Clearinghouse, and then to Lon Strickland's Phantoms and Monsters website. Eventually, though, the mainstream reporters did become interested. There had been an enormous number of sightings. According to the Chicago Patch, flying humanoid expert Lon Strickler, yes, you can be an expert in flying humanoids, noted that though there had certainly been numerous reports in 2011, and the following years each had a scattering of sightings, 2017 was truly the year. He notes that most of the sightings, which would eventually total well over 50, quote, occurred near Lake Michigan. He didn't have an explanation for why the events had begun, but he told Vice, This group of sightings is historical in cryptozoology terms. For one, it's happening in an urban area for the most part, 
and that there are so many sightings in one period. Lon began compiling 2017 sightings in February of that year. But, as we told you, it was summer when things truly began to, uh, heat up. We imagined the crypto historian could barely keep up with the reports that were streaming in. We found dozens of examples ourselves. According to the Lake Michigan Mothman documentary, Lon Strickland had been calling the creature the Chicago Phantom, but as witness reports mounted, a new name emerged. With such a famous winged humanoid already in our cultural landscape, it made sense that what one witness described as a red-eyed winged goblin became a mothman. But how moth-like was the creature, really? It depends on your frame of mind. One witness quoted in the Chicago patch described a winged being about five foot six tall. And her husband said what he saw a light in front of them on North Lake Shore Drive in Chicago was, quote, human-like with a small head that narrowed at the top with moist, deep blue-green skin that uh, appeared shiny. The wings looked like a butterfly's and attached along the body. It had long, tapered feet. And according to Vice, a security guard was outside the nightclub where he was employed when he saw, quote, a plane flying, but also something moving really awkwardly under it. It didn't look like a bat so much as what illustrations of a pterodactyls look like with the slenderness of the head and its wing shape. I know what birds and bats look like. This thing didn't have any feathers or fur, and it didn't fly like anything I've seen. It was a human-shaped, at least, creature, and an athletic-looking one at that. The security guard said that it flew in a strange swooping motion, undulating up and down. The security guard didn't have his phone on him. It had died, and he'd left it inside the bar to charge, so he had to settle for running inside to text everyone he knew about what he'd seen. By the time the security guard had his experience in late August with a flying creature, the count of Mothman sightings had, according to Vice, grown to 55. And, per NPR, though some of the details of the sightings seemed to line up with what he'd seen, others, uh, not so much. NPR notes that the flying creature's height had been estimated between 6 and 10 feet, with a wingspan of 10 feet, or much more. That its eyes have been described variously as yellow, green, red, orange. That it had both been described as having fur and absolutely no fur. As having insectoid wings or bat-like ones and as having leathery skin. Even on a cryptid, for all of that to be true would be a lot. Maybe there was just too much Pokemon Go happening in 2017 and people got carried away. Whatever the cause, there was a call for hard proof. After all, we have recording devices in our pockets, right? Someone must have snagged a photo or a video of a winged humanoid, especially one this prolific. Well, yes and no. Hey there, strangers. I want to tell you about a podcast that I think you'll like. It's called The Dead Files from Travel Channel. 
On the Dead Files, Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the United States. Amy and Steve come from two totally different perspectives when they investigate. Amy is a medium. She sees and speaks to dead people and uses the skill to find out why someone might be haunting a place. Steve is a retired homicide detective. He tackles the case from the other end of the spectrum and uses public records and witness accounts to piece together the history of a haunted location. On every episode, Steve and Amy investigate a different real haunting to help the family struggling with its effects. On one episode in Falconer, New York, a family keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They also see a shadow figure lurking around their home. They call Amy and Steve to investigate. Amy uses her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry. Separately, Steve finds out the history of the house from the townspeople and in public records. He finds that several people who lived in this house died, which matches Amy's findings. At the end of the episode, Steve and Amy share their findings and make a recommendation on whether it's safe to stay in the house or time to get out. There are so many crazy stories on the dead files, and what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. Really, this is the perfect podcast for fans of One Strange Thing. All the paranormal activity that you love and the great research that you've come to rely on. So, listen to The Dead Files, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row, all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Perhaps the highlight of the Chicago Patch's reporting on the 2017 Mothman sightings was their publication of a picture that a local claimed proved a winged humanoid was indeed in the Chicago skies. The local hadn't actually been trying to photograph Mothman He'd wanted to capture a landmark, but instead he got a big, blurry, um, thing that looked kind of like a giant flying squirrel, if squirrels were weirdly shiny. So, not the rock-solid proof everyone had hoped for. Other footage did pop up as well. For instance, a cyclist captured what was described as a bat-like creature on his helmet GoPro and that was shared on the crypto websites. One important note we should mention here is that although the Chicago Mothman had been sighted all over the city and in the Lake Michigan region, it was often seen near bodies of water. That was actually something Lon Strickler pointed out in multiple articles. We imagine that to him, it was simply another fact. But to those who were less likely to believe in the Chicago Mothman, it became a clue. It was interesting especially to those who had a theory as to the monster's true origin. They believed people were just seeing, as NPR notes, sandhill cranes. Yes, the birds. The Chicago reader mused that maybe even at a long shot, people were seeing cranes with garbage bags stuck on their heads. 
Which, while an incredibly depressing image that should make us all reflect on the nature of pollution, would indeed account for the alien appearance of some of the figures, and why witnesses wouldn't recognize them immediately as birds. But why would these sightings only begin to pick up around 2011? And why might they peak in 2017? Was there some horrible environmental issue that had pushed cranes across the Midwest, ready to frighten citizens while looking like bats and pterodactyls and leathery birds and having eyes of every possible headlight shade? Strangers, we couldn't find one. In fact, the reports were so conflicting that it seems impossible that anyone could have seen the same beast in the skies at all. Even less proof that the Chicago Mothman even existed, right? Well, except for one strange thing. At least in the minds of some, that variance wasn't due to false reports or hysteria or even people mistaking their outdoor grill covers for cryptids. Rather, the theory was that, for reasons unknown, the Chicago and Lake Michigan area was attracting not a single Mothman, but multiple Mothmen. Remember that local 14 expert on flying creatures, Lon Strickler? Well, according to the Chicago Reader, it was Strickler's research that led him to that surprising theory. Specifically, he believed that, unlike Point Pleasant sightings back in the 1960s, which were attributable to a single entity, or sandhill cranes if you're of that frame of mind, there were distinct groups of sightings. So strangers, we're talking about a Midwestern Mothman swarm. This is what could account for the massive upswing in reports. But what's the basis for the claim? Well, Lon Strickler now maintains his Phantom and Monsters website, but according to the Chicago Reader, he's been, quote, investigating flying humanoids since the late 1970s. And based on Lon's records, the numbers of sightings between 2011 and 2017 in the Chicago area were unprecedented. He told the reader that, quote, he has never heard of so many reports from one place in such a short period of time. His theory that there were not one, but three humanoid flying creatures in the Chicago and Lake Michigan area was, the reader reported, based on data that he collected from first-person witness statements. These sightings seem to fall into three distinct descriptive categories that, while being similar to each other, were distinct from the other two. The three distinct types were as follows. Quote, of a tall feathered being with wings and glowing red eyes. The second wave were possibly lechuzas, Mexican witches that transform into owls or eagles. And the third, he said, quote, closely resembled large black bats between six and eight feet tall with a wingspan of about 12 feet. What this multi-creature theory can't explain is why one or two or a dozen winged humanoids would converge on the Midwest. We assume there was not a convention. So, fine, multiple beasts could account for the massive number of sightings and the strange differences. But why were they there? For Lon Strickler's part, he does not know. He does not buy the big birds theory, of course. He told the Chicago Reader that 
while he did not know precisely what was in the sky, he did not believe it was of mundane explanation. He told reporters, It may very well be an extra-dimensional traveler of some type. But no matter what had happened back in Mount Pleasant, when the original Mothman portended doom, a bridge collapse or so some claim, Strickler told the Chicago Reader that he didn't want local citizens to worry. He said, There's been a stigma attached to these flying humanoids, that they're a harbinger of something bad to come. Then people use it as an excuse for something that happens. I don't really want to predict anything that's going to happen in Chicago. Journalist turned cryptozoology enthusiast Linda Godfrey, she got her start writing about the Beast of Bray Road, if you'll recall in our episode on the subject. She doesn't have Lon Strickler's confidence in the presence of one, two, or any number of Chicago Mothmen. Though she is interested, and often game to at least give belief a go in these situations, she told the Chicago Tribune that the whole Mothman situation smelled like a rat. That, in her opinion, someone, or perhaps many someones, were dressing up drones and having some fun. And that could, we suppose, account for the variety in Mothman looks. Some people in the paranormal community were even skeptical of the Chicago Mothman or Mothmen and the theories offered up by Lon Strickler and others who were tracking it. According to the Lake Michigan Mothman documentary, they found the 2017 sightings to be a little, uh, well, too convenient. And here's why. 2017 was the 50th anniversary of the West Virginia Mothman events. And these experts further questioned why almost all the reports came in not through traditional media, but through the unverifiable witness statements posted on websites like Lon Strickland's and other Fortean blogs. One expert interviewed in the documentary, he had an explanation for that. SEO. Type in Chicago or Lake Michigan and winged creature, he said, and those were the sites that come to the top. So that's where witnesses go. The documentarians were actually able to find real people who were willing to go on record, on camera, and describe their sightings. But, of course, that still doesn't tell us what they actually saw. Whatever they did see, it seems that whatever was happening in 2017, well, strangers, it has not fully ceased. Whether you believe in mothmen, multiple, or very unlucky cranes caught in trash bags, it seems that workers at O'Hare International Airport had an encounter. Now, we take this with a grain of salt or tin as this account came in from a UFO website. But still, this was rather descriptive. We'll let you be the judge. This particular witness worked at the USPS sorting facility at O'Hare and wrote in to the UFO clearinghouse to report the following. In September of 2020, this worker, who remained anonymous, was walking to their car late at night when they saw a figure lurking in the distance. They were surprised when the figure began to move toward them. I saw that this was not some person, but some red-eyed creature 
and what appeared to be a coat were actually wings, which had spread out as it turned to look at me. At first, I thought it was some kind of very, very large bird, but I've never seen a bird that stood almost seven feet tall. I'm five foot four, and this thing looked taller than me by at least two feet. This thing then started making some type of chirping sound, almost a half chirp and a half click, like someone clicking their tongue, but much, much faster. And then it made some type of screeching sound and took off running toward me. It got within 10 feet of me, and then it took off into the air and flew above me. What do we do with an encounter like that? Strangers, we are ultimately left with more questions than answers, which, to be honest, is one of our favorite places to be. If there is a winged creature or multiple creatures flitting about Lake Michigan and Chicago, why? Why was 2017 such an important year? People have long claimed Mothman sightings occurred during pivotal, disastrous events, from 9-11 to Hurricane Katrina, ever since that West Virginia bridge collapse. What could have brought America's most infamous winged harbinger to Illinois just five years ago? Is it something we should dismiss as a prank or a stunt? Or should we be more worried that there's something that we missed? Something that, today, could still be unfolding around us? A call left unheeded. A warning siren ignored. Really, Mothman needs to work on his delivery. We hope you'll join us next time for another real-life story from the fine print of America's local papers. From the lives of regular people, just like you and me, except for one strange thing. Oh, and strangers... One Strange Thing is an independently produced podcast. To support the show and to hear more of the entirely true and enticingly peculiar, join us over on Patreon. There, you'll get ad-free early releases of our regular episodes, full-length bonus episodes, blogs, and monthly live streams, all for five bucks a month. We hope you'll check it out. There's a link in our show notes. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.